Again, if you have your Bibles, the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not receive the ark of the Lord unto him in the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. It was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Amen. This is a story that if you've been in church very long at all, you're familiar with this. And uh, this is not going to make much sense right now according to my title, but hopefully by the end of today it'll make sense. If God will help us today, I want to preach to us just for a little while, a father of the fatherless. A father of the fatherless. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands and your voice to heaven and asking God to move in this place. God, we love you. We believe in you today. We believe that you're able. We believe that there's nothing too hard for you. You're the first. You're the last. You're the everlasting. You're the one who was, who is, and is to come, the Almighty. We pray, God, right now that you would anoint us in this house, saturate us with your power, with your spirit. I ask you, God, today that you would help somebody. Let them leave here speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance for the first time. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. One more time, would you lift your voice as you clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on, let's love him together. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord as long as you promise to help me preach. If you're not going to help me preach, you keep standing so everybody knows who you are. (laughs) Hallelujah. My usher over here said, man, what's the deal? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. This story that I have read to you today is very familiar to us, but most probably uh, it's not familiar to you on a Sunday morning. Because the truth of the matter is, it just makes for good Sunday night church. It's easy to preach about David shouting out of his clothes when on a Sunday night when everybody's ready to shout. It's, it's easy to talk about David taking off of all of these garments. And again, this has been re-preached more times than not on a Sunday night. But David... We understand has seen the absence of the presence of God. And so he has retrieved the ark, as the Bible says, with shouting and the sounds of a trumpet. There, There's a lot here that we could talk about even on a Sunday morning. We, we know, we preach, and we believe the importance of how the ark of God or the presence of God comes into our midst. The Bible says that it went out on the shoulders of the priest. That's important. You can't, you can't get that out of whack. It's got to happen. 
happen that way. You've got to have the presence of the Lord coming in on the shoulders of the priest. And we, we could talk about how David made a sacrifice unto the Lord. And again, that's important because you can't have the presence of the Lord come in without a sacrifice. And then I, I, I'm from McNary County, Tennessee, and where I come from, it's just good manners to say thank you. So when God does something, it's, it's just good manners to do like David did and shout and dance and, and have a good Holy Ghost time. But again, this is this is how we preach it, and we understand that this this is the principle. But let me let me ask you a question: When was the last time you heard a message about why the ark was ever missing in the first place? I feel my help already. Usually, we like to shout and dance and run the aisles and talk in tongues and all of that wonderful apostolic church in this in this text. But we forget the fact that it's been twenty years that the ark of God has been missing. In the book of 1 Samuel, we see the beginnings of a faithful man of God and a prophet of Israel. His mother Hannah has been barren, and she has asked the Lord for a child. And she has went to the altar and prayed until Eli thought her mad. And she prayed, God, give me a son. And if you do, I'll, I'll give him to you. I'll dedicate his life to you. And God grants her a request, and she names him Samuel and drops him off to the house of God and says, see you next year. And so Samuel begins this walk with God where he begins to hear the voice of God for himself. And you know the story as God begins to speak to Samuel. And again, this is the part of the story that we leave off. We always talk about how he heard the voice of God and Eli finally tells him, tell, uh, tell the Lord, speak for your servant hears. And he does that. And then God tears into Eli. Again, this is the part of the story we leave out. God begins to tell Eli, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I think it's verse 11, he said, I'm going to cause the ear of everyone that hears what's going to happen to tingle. He said, something so bad, judgment is getting ready to be poured out because you know the sins of your sons. You know what they've done. And he and so Samuel begins to grow, and as he does, he understands that, that he is a prophet. But as he is a prophet, my own opinion is that he's one of the most decorated prophets of the Old Testament. And while he is that, he witnesses one of the most horrific events in Israel's history. He's seen the people beg for a king when it wasn't the will of God, but it was even worse than that. He's seen that king fail miserably, but it wasn't even that. And we we see See that the prophecy of the word of God that God had given Samuel, it, it comes to pass and it begins to unfold uh, one day as Samuel grows older and the people of God have set up for war in Ebenezer and the Philistines are in Aphek. And the Bible tells us that the time of battle comes and they come together and they begin to fight one with another. And believe it or not, God's people actually begin to lose. And as they begin to lose, they do what they've always done. They called for the ark of God. And so as they call for the ark of God, the Bible says that a great shout goes up. I promise I'm going somewhere today. Just give me a few minutes. I'll preach here in a minute. We're just talking right now, okay? But the Bible says that a great shout goes out and the Philistines are afraid and they go and they hide themselves. And then the Bible says that a, some unnamed Philistine stands up and says, Quib yourself like men and fight. Man up. Ooh, boy, I could preach about that today. But he, he tells them, you, you need to stand up. Be a man. 
And they began to stand and they began to fight again and yet again against all odds. I mean, every other time the ark of God has came into the presence, they began to win the battle. But not this time. This time it's not working like that. This time the judgment of God's being poured out. This time God's angry. This time God says, no, I'm not going to let victory come. And so as it happens, the Bible tells us that the Israelites begin to lose the battle and the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas are killed. And then on top of that the ark of God the very presence the essence of the presence of God is lost in this battle and beyond that 30,000 men are lost in one battle I want you to think about that that's more than the USA lost in Okinawa the entirety of the time that we were there and the Israelites lost that many men in one fell swoop I want you to just take a moment and, and try to, if you can, in your imagination, relive this bloody day in the Israelite camp. The ark of God was the most spiritual thing that they ever had, but nothing could cover the loss of 30,000 men in one day. They were somebody's brother, somebody's son. If history serves us correct, they were most likely at the age of marriage. And so most of them were probably married. And most theologians will tell you somewhere between thirty to 70,000 children on that day lost their father. 30 to 70,000 children. Now, just again, I, I know this is a little grotesque here, but let, it's just the blood and guts of what it was actually like. This, this actually happened, believe it or not. That Bible actually tells stuff that happened. Who'd have thunk it? And so there, there's this, this wail that's coming out of the, uh, of the adults because they lost the ark of God. But just imagine with me walking down the streets of, uh, as, as the children of Israel have set up camp. And, and imagine what it's like as 30 to 70,000 children get the word that daddy's never coming home. Can you imagine the sound of mourning? Imagine the sound of crying. Again, I'm not trying to play on your heartstrings today. I'm just trying to tell you this is what it was really like. This, now, now these children are, are most likely going to be brought up in oppression. And because of this day and time, they'll probably be brought up poor because they had no one to provide for them. And now all of this stuff is turned upside down. Their world. And nothing's ever said about them. Nothing's ever said to them. Samuel doesn't have anything to say. Saul becomes the king. And he doesn't have anything to say no words of encouragement no it's going to be alright no we're going to love you anyway no you're going to fit in anyway nothing's ever said to them and I, I, I don't have time to belabor the point, but if, if you will, Saul becomes king and then begins to disobey God. And then uh, God anoints David. God has Samuel anoint David as king. And seven and a half years into his, his, his reign, he begins to, the, the light bulb goes off. And he finally figures it out. I'm going to bless David only, only David can do. As David is shouting and dancing in the street, uh, he, he tells them, strike up the band. Uh, and as they do, he says, I got it, I got it, guys. I finally got the song. Y'all know I love the right songs. And so somebody get me a pen and a piece of paper. And as he sits down in the middle of the street, he begins to write the psalm. We find it in Psalms chapter 68. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Uh, it's powerful. It, it, it's strong. He, he's dancing on the street. And it's, it's something he said. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. Uh, like, like it's just pushed out by the wind. And as wax melts, 
before the fire. So melt the enemies of the Lord. And again, I'm paraphrasing some of this, but you get the idea. He's dancing in the street. He's singing about the power of God. And everybody's just going ballistic. Sing us another line, David. Tell us another thing about how great God is. Give us something else that we can shout about. And then if you'll just allow me to use my imagination for a moment and you'll understand where we get, when we get where we're going. But David, as he's writing this song, all of a sudden uh, he meets eyes with a young lady and she's crying, but it's not tears of joy, it's tears of pain. And David thinks to himself, why in the world would anybody be upset on a day like today? This is a day of rejoicing. This is a day of shouting. This is a day we need to run the aisles. This is the day that we need to leap for joy and all of this great stuff and maybe David just shrugged it off and he kept on going and he would say let the righteous be glad yea let them rejoice and everybody went nuts again and then he meets eyes with a young man and he he notices he's standing there with the army of Israel and he wonders why in the world is he in that old beat up armor that stuff it's outdated it doesn't match and then all of a sudden it dawns on David that's most likely his father's armor and the reason he's crying and the reason that young lady's crying and 30 to 70,000 people in my kingdom are crying is because the last time they seen that box was the day that they were told daddy's never coming home. The last time they seen the ark of God to everybody else it means the presence of the Lord but to these broken orphans it means that that was the day my daddy left me and he's never coming back and so David in his poetic greatness he stops and after he sings of the goodness of God he looks the orphan in the eye and he says a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation David had a revelation that said your your earthly father might have left you your earthly father might have died your earthly father might not be here to take care of you but I've come to tell you that our God is a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widow David was simply saying, I know you're broken, and I know you're hurting, and I know your life's not perfect, but don't leave the shouting and the dancing to everybody in the suit and tie. Don't leave the shouting and the dancing to everybody that showed up with the picture-perfect family, because this God we serve, he sets high, and he looks low, and he knows where you are, and he knows what you're going through, and and he is your God. Hallelujah. I know I'm not shooting in the dark here to say that there's some people here that your life's not perfect. I, I, it's just, it, it's, I don't have to be a prophet. I just need to work in the obvious and say there's people here that, live, that are living a broken life because somebody did something that they shouldn't have done. Somebody walked out on you when they shouldn't have walked out on you. Somebody hurt you when they shouldn't have hurt you. And the problem with that is uh, most of the time we blame it on God uh, and say, God, why would you allow this to happen? Uh, all the while you need to understand uh, he's the God uh, that wants to put it back together. He's the God that wants to mend your broken heart. He's the God that wants to heal you. He's a father of the fatherless. Hallelujah. Can I preach about it for a little bit? 
I understand. I, I, I'm a father of two. My, my little girl stayed home with my wife. She's eight, fixing to be nine. And my son's with me today. He's five, fixing to be six. And uh, I understand. My daddy taught me that when you're a man, you get up and you go to work. That's pretty good preaching right there. My, my daddy taught me how to be a man, Brother St. Clair. My daddy taught me that it don't matter how tired you are or how sick you are, you get up and you go to work. Because a man that is a father by nature, I feel like preaching, he's a provider. Can I preach to somebody right now that God is a father of the fatherless? That's why in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, uh, he said, My God shall supply all of your needs. I'm preaching to somebody right now who's got bills stacked up on the table uh, and you don't know what to do uh, and you don't know where to go. Uh, can I tell you, you just need to tell daddy uh, and let daddy provide uh, because my God, uh, my daddy uh, shall supply all of your needs that's why he said in Acts chapter 17 for in him we live and move and have our being as certain of your poets have said but then he stopped and he said for we are his offspring you know what he was trying to tell you that when you belong to God it don't matter how many bills you got when you belong to God it doesn't matter what you need because my God is a father of the fatherless. My God is a provider. Let me tell you something on this Sunday morning. My daddy is such a good provider. He can rain bread down out of heaven. He can bring water out of a rock. He can airmail you food through a raven. He can make the clothes on your back grow. He can make the shoes on your feet stretch. He'll keep you by a pillar by day and a pillar by night. My God shall supply. My God shall supply. My God. Oh, I'm going to say it to you. Get it in your spirit today. The daddy I got, he can take just two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000. Because my God is a provider. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm just an old-fashioned. I, I, I know I'm only 29, but I got an old spirit. I learned a long time ago that if you can just believe God, that's right. That's it. It's become a common term in our house. We don't know what to do. And believe it or not, preachers have bills too. I, I, yeah. I, believe it or not, preachers have problems too. We have stuff we have to deal with. And I'll be honest with you, I'd trade my problem with your problem real quick. But it's just become kind of the mantra in our house. That when we don't know what to do, we shout about it. We don't know how we're going to pay that bill. That's fine. We're just going to go to the church and we're going to shout about it. Why? Because my daddy's going to take care of it. My daddy's going to make a way out of no way. 
it's got to the point, Bishop, now we'll be driving down the road and me and my wife, it wasn't very long ago that me and my wife were talking and I said, I, I just, I'll be honest with you, baby, I don't know what we're going to do. And out of the back seat, I heard my little boy pipe up. He said, Daddy, we shout about it. And Emma said, Bubba, that works every time. I'm telling you, if you can just get the revelation of who you're serving uh, and how powerful he is uh, and that he is our great provider, uh, that's nothing in this world you'll ever face. Uh, that you, uh, you got a reason to rejoice. Don't just leave the shouting and the dancing uh, to everybody that's got money in their pocket. Uh, you can be broke, uh, but honey, you hear me right now. He's a father uh, of the fatherless uh, and a judge of the widows. Uh, able to provide your need I I am a firm believer in what I'm preaching right now because I've seen it happen too many times God has never failed me one time he, have I had days that I was questioning absolutely have I had days that I wondered, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this? You better believe it. But at the end of the day, he said, let God arise. When you've done all you can do, and when daddy hadn't showed up, and mama hadn't showed up, and your friend hadn't showed up, and the government hadn't showed up, just let God arise. Let, let me preach to let me preach to Indiana for a minute. We don't need somebody to come in and get people off our streets. We don't need somebody to talk about how we need to end the drug program. We just need to let God arise. And when, when that happens, everything else begins to abase itself. When that happens, it's called redemptive lift. It starts to... It starts picking everything up. If you want to change your world, just let God be God. I, about, can I preach a little bit longer? Can I have a little bit more time? Wasn't very long ago. Now I know I'm, I'm dressed up in, the, in a suit today, but just believe me, I'm not a suit guy. All right. Just, I don't do malls. Yeah, I do tree stands. If you want me to meet you at a store, just tell Bass Pro. I know where every one of them in the country is at. Cabela's, I'm there. Dillard's, I'm out. But my wife, somehow or another, bamboozled me into going into a mall about two years ago, three years ago. Probably the last time I went in one. I told y'all, I believe what I'm preaching. <laughs> I went in there, and I figured out how smart them malls are, Pastor Sinclair. Because yeah. they, they have buggies for the people that shop. Uh -huh. And then they have buggies for shoppers in training. Uh -huh. yeah. And I watched. I watched as I walked around that store. As Emma, my little girl, didn't look at prices. Didn't even care if it fit. Is it pink? Does it glitter? I want it. I walked around and watched. 
till that buggy done started getting full. And so me, me and Jameson, we just, we kind of walking around, just meandering, you know, just trying to keep up. And uh, I, I, I asked her, I said, hey, baby, I need to ask you a question. She just turned like, yeah, daddy. Said, uh, who going to pay for all that? <laughs> and she batted her baby blues and said, you are. And I asked her, I said, what if daddy don't have the money? She said, well, you see, you got that little plastic thing in your wallet. Uh -huh. And as sure as I'm standing here, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, lest you become as a little child. Because we, well, help me, Jesus. We are so quick to, to analyze what God can and can't do. What God can and can't pay for it. And we'll walk around with a cart full of a wit now online shopping, you got that wish list. That's, that's how we've learned to live for God. We've, we've turned our prayer list into a wish list. Well, maybe one day when I'm 78 and on my deathbed, God will bring my children back to church. Ooh, I'm finna preach to every demon of doubt in this place right now. No, you need to recognize who your daddy is. Well, when, 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 you know, we'll fill, I'm going to preach it. We'll, we'll fill this church up, you know, when Brother St. Clair, when you get in mid-55, maybe 60, then we'll start thinking about another building. No, devil, the, the devil is a liar. We got a father of the fatherless, and he's a provider. And if he said we're going to have revival, then you can write, not on your wish list, honey, you can write it down in your little black book. It's going to happen because my daddy doesn't go back on his word. And my daddy, when he says something, he said, if I said it, I'll bring it to pass. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. But that which he has said, he will perform. Somebody needs to clip your hands today uh, and give God a shout of praise because uh, you know he's a father uh, of the fatherless uh, and he will provide. You don't I wish you could see what's happening in the spirit realm right now. I, I, I wish you could see the blessings that you're walking in right now. I, I wish you could see the miraculous uh, that you're walking in right now. Just trust me. Uh, Daddy's going to take care of it. Can I, can I tell you a little bit more about him? Can I, I'm just here. It's Father's Day. I'm just here to brag on my daddy. I'm just going to tell you, you might whoop me. Probably not. But you might get close. You, you'd start messing with my kids. You, you might whoop me, but you're going to know I've been there and you're going to be glad I left. And can I tell you what Jesus said? He said, and you being evil, That's right. how much more? You see, 
You, you keep coming to church and you, you're making a big deal out of this battle that you're going through when all of the time, all you need to do is tell daddy about it. I, have you ever thought that maybe you're telling the wrong people? I understand we need to request prayer and all that stuff, but you want to go sit in the office and talk for 45 minutes about the same problem that you talked 45 minutes about last week and the week before that when you ain't done what he told you to do in the first place. Don't tell him, tell daddy. Let me just, uh, I'm in it now. I might as well go ahead and go all the way in. I, I'm going to tell you, it blows my mind the amount of people want to gripe and talk bad about the preacher when, when what he said didn't work when you didn't try what he said. Let me tell you something. I know it doesn't make any sense, but coming to church and praying actually works. Coming to church and shouting when you don't feel like shouting actually works. Coming to church and running the aisle when you don't feel like running the aisle, it actually works. If you'll just, if you'll tell daddy, daddy will come down and daddy will work on it. I'm just going to tell you, you being evil. Now, you parents know what I'm talking about. Somebody, go, let them say one all thing about your kid. Well, I'll tell you what. They, they don't want to do that. That's why some of the, the largest arrests and, and biggest fights are at Little League games. What would you say about my son? Oh, he can't hit the... He'll knock, he hits it farther than your son. Am I telling the truth? And you being evil. How much more? That, you know, that's why when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. That's why I don't fear the arrows by day nor the fire by night because you, you can't shoot over my daddy's shield and, and my daddy never sleeps and my daddy never slumbers and my, my daddy knows what's going on. And, and he sees every sparrow and he knows the number of the hair on your head. And so if he knows all of that, then how does he not know about what I'm going through? How does he not know that the devil's... You need to go to church every Sunday and just tell... Daddy, he's been picking on me this week. Uh, he's really been annoying. He, he won't leave me alone. He's been messing with my marriage. He's been messing with my children. He's been messing with my fine. I'm going, devil, I'm going to tell daddy. Uh, I'm going to tell my dad. Because when you tell daddy, uh, he listens, uh, he hears, uh, and he knows what's going on. My God is a protector. David, David was writing to hurting and broken people. And he was saying, listen, I know you see all this going on. And you, you, you don't feel like you fit in. Because you didn't come from the same background that we came from. But let me just tell you about our daddy. He's a father of the fatherless. And a judge of the widows. He, he don't matter. It doesn't matter to daddy how broken you are. It doesn't matter how to daddy what walk of life you came from, what side of the tracks you came from, what color you are, what culture you are. It doesn't matter to my daddy what it, whatever it is, because when daddy shed his blood for you, he shed it for you. He shed it for you as an individual, and he wants you to know I'm your God too. I. I'm thankful. Bishop St. Clair, I've got a good day. 
my, my daddy, again, he taught me how to get up. He, man, I was 12, 13 years old. He was teaching me how to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I hated his guts every morning. <laughs> Son, you shouldn't have stayed out so late coon hunting. I know, Daddy, but it's 6 o'clock. Couldn't I at least sleep till 7? He taught me, again, he taught me how to get up and go to work. So I don't know what it feels like. But I can tell you that I've counseled enough young men and young ladies in my years of ministry to know that there's not a pain in the world like the pain of feeling forsaken. I thought you loved me and you left me. I thought you cared and you cast me away. I, I know right now it, there's some of you even here that you know exactly what I'm talking about and you, you think about it hard enough and, and it's, it's hard even now to keep the tears back because you can't, you, you can't describe the pain that goes on in your life every night when you lay down and you go to sleep because some man walked out on you when you were seven years old or nine years old or some man said I don't want anything to do with you and your mama and they just walked away and left you to grow up as a young lady by yourself or left you to grow up and you had to find out how to be a man from your mother or find out how to be a man from your pastor and I, I can tell you that thankfully I don't know what that pain's like from the inside but I've talked to enough young people that were so broken and so and th that their world was so full of chaos because daddy was never there but can I tell you what my daddy said in Deuteronomy he said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you I will I'm preaching to somebody right now that's went to bed this week with tears in your eyes. I'm here to tell you that he's a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows and he's not going anywhere. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you until the end. There's not a trial he won't walk with you in. There's not a test he won't walk with you in. There's not a river he won't cross. A mountain he won't climb. There's nowhere you'll ever go. That daddy won't care and daddy won't I'll go with you. That's why in Romans, he said, we, that's why we lift our hands. Because we haven't received the spirit of fear again under bondage. But with the spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. Because somebody cared for me. What nobody else would care for me. Somebody... Somebody, somebody cared so much that he would provide and he would protect, but he would lay down his life. When nobody else cared, he cared because he's a father of the fatherless. Imagine, musicians, y'all please come. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to close, but just so you know, I'm entitled to three closings. This is my first. <laughs> That's the rules. That's the wonderful thing about having the mic. You can just kind of make it up as you go. But I, just, just for a moment, understand who we're talking about and what he's saying. We're talking about King David. How many messages have you heard about King David? I mean, for crying out loud, when Jesus would be coming into to different towns, men like blind Bartimaeus would say, Jesus! Thou son of David. They didn't care who his, his immediate father was. Because David left a legacy on Israel and left a legacy on, on the world. And that man who loved to shout and loved to dance 
and knew the nature of God. He said, hold on, hold on, stop. Stop shouting, stop dancing. We need to deal with something. That may, I'm talking about the greatest Sunday night service yeah. in the Bible yeah. outside of the day of Pentecost. There's not a, you're not going to hear a message preached on Sunday night more than you hear about this. And in that setting, he stopped for just a moment and said, let me tell you something about this God. We're, we're, we're not just shouting and dancing because it's what we do and we're apostolic and, 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 and we're just, this is not just hype. But he really is the father of the fatherless. He really cares. He really cares about what you're going through. And you might feel all alone and by yourself, but God's right there with you. I'll, I'll never forget. I was about seven years old. And uh, my dad had just started evangelizing. My Mom was still working, and my dad was still kind of working. You, you can start playing something. Give me some hope, them some hope, all of them some hope. <laughs> but my, my, my dad had just quit his job, or was in the process of quitting his job, if I remember correctly. And I was, again, seven, eight years old. We were staying with my grandmother for the, uh, the summer. And if you know, if you've ever met my, my grandmother before, you just, you know, she's that, that one lady. Don't ask prayer if you don't want it. Because you, you can be on aisle nine in Walmart and we'll have tongues interpretation. You, you laughing, but I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. She's, every church got that one. She's that one. She'll pray. Uh, that woman prays. Uh, she's the only reason I'm probably here is because Mama prayed me out of so many wrecks and 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 all that stuff. But I I was again I was a young man. Me and my brother and sister were sitting in the living room playing, doing whatever you know we did at that age. And my uh, grandmother came in the living room and she said, "Kids, y'all go get the bathtub and pray." And I, you know, I'm the oldest. I'm the spokesperson. I said, "Mama, are you all right?" our house we don't pray in the bathtub and uh she said boy let's go do what i said so i know y'all have a little problem believing this but i've always had a little bit of a rebel in me i know it's you look at me i don't look i'm just sweet kind congenial but i told my brother and sister i said y'all y'all go get in the bathtub and pray i'm going to see what mama's doing so I, I, I walked through the kitchen and looked out the back door and she was standing on the back steps and I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive but let me just tell you there's power in this stuff. She started taking her, her hair down. And I, I, I'll never forget the prayer she prayed, Bishop. She said, God, from the time you brought me into the truth, I've never cut my hair. And she said, God, that means I have a covenant with you. And my, my grandfather had been dead about three or four years at this point. And I looked past her, and there's, there's a tornado coming. I don't remember how you categorize them things, but it was a bad one. You can actually go look it up. It's the one that went to Jackson, Tennessee, and it's been 20 years ago. And it, it ripped Jackson, Tennessee to pieces. Came right for 553 McDamage Road, Gaz, Tennessee. And I remember.
remember, I, I'll never forget, she was talking in tongues a minute and then she'd talk in English a minute. And Bishop, I remember, I'll never forget what she prayed. She said, God, my husband's gone and I don't have a husband. So God, you're my husband. And because you're my husband, you're obligated to take care of me. And she said, God, if you don't move, this storm's going to, it's, it's a thousand yards from her back door. She said, God, if you don't move, the storm's going to tear my house apart. It's going to kill me and my kids if you don't move. And you, you can disagree. You cannot believe me. I don't care what you do, what you say. But my little eight-year-old eyes watched as that storm split right in half, went around 250 acres, came right back together, and went to Jackson, Tennessee, and tore up everything in its path. You've come too late to tell me that God doesn't care when his children Cry. You come too late to tell me that God doesn't care when his when a child lifts up a cry from the valley and God begins to work. I'm gonna say this and I'm closing. Stand with me if you will. We have adopted an improper analogy of God, and we have assumed so long that God is attracted to our trouble. Let me tell you something. God don't care about trouble. Trouble doesn't bother God. From Genesis where, where Adam and Eve got thrown out of the garden until now, the world has been consumed with trouble. God's not worried about trouble. You want to know what gets God's attention? David said, this poor man cried unto the Lord, and then he delivered him out of his trouble. You know what you need to do today? You need to get the proper analogy of how God looks at trouble. When God sees trouble, it doesn't bother him. But when God hears the cry of his child coming out of the trouble, that's what gets God's attention. That's what made God pay attention. If you've got trouble today, I challenge you right now, step out of your pew, walk to the altar, lift your hand, and just begin to cry, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. I need you to move. I, I need you to heal. I, I need you to make a way.